Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much to the team. That was really powerful, wonderful, and a special welcome to anyone who's perhaps slipped in during the course of the worship. If you are here for the first time, my name is Jason. Uh, If you're listening online, my name is Jason, uh, and it's just lovely to be able to be with you. It's really exciting to be able to launch this morning uh, on the morning that we open up uh, some of our new facility to launch into a new series that we have called Connected Life Patterns to Encounter God. And so we are taking a little break from our journey through the Gospel of Mark that we've been in throughout the course of this year so far. We're going to pick that up again in the beginning of next year and continue that journey in Mark. Uh, And a little later on this year, after we finish with this series, we're going to begin what I trust is going to be a fascinating journey through the highlights of the Old Testament. And we're going to use Hebrews chapter 11 as our guide. So we're going to have the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, this chapter of of faith, these people who are there in a sense witnesses uh, for us to to stand upon their shoulders. And it's going to be as if they are going to guide us through the highlights of the Old Testament, those things that are meant to uh, be foundations for our faith. So trust that that is going to be really exciting in the run up to Christmas. And then also we'll be continuing that in the second half of next year. But exciting this morning to be able to introduce this topic of meeting with God, encountering God, experiencing God. Uh, And I know that I will not be alone uh, this morning as I talk about some of those encounters and experiences with God that I have had, because I know that many of you have had them as well, and different ones to the ones that I have had. And so uh, I know that I I speak among friends and that many of you will find some of this familiar. Perhaps some of you will find some of what I'm going to be talking about new. And so it's just lovely to be able to, to introduce this topic of What does it look like for us as God's children to actually meet with God and experience him and experience his presence? And just to say, I found whenever I talk about experiencing God and having spiritual encounters or encountering the Lord, whichever kind of language you want to use, that there are some concerns and there are some questions that people have. And so, so just to say right up front, when, I, when we talk about having spiritual experiences, what I'm going to be talking about and what Ryan and I are going to be talking about through the duration of this series is having experiences of God himself. We're talking about meeting with God. And as we meet with God, we experience him in different ways. There are people who are out there that are having spiritual experiences all the time, but they might not be having them with God. And so we are all about having biblical, robustly authentic encounters with God himself. And as we do that, we actually are changed in that space of encounter. And it's a bit like my relationship with my children. 
Okay, so say Daniel, I'll, I'll use Daniel because he's not in here as some of my, uh, my other child is. Um, but say Daniel uh, has hurt himself and, and he just thinks, I want a hug from my dad. Is it wrong for him to want to have a hug? Not at all. But who does he want a hug from? He wants a hug from me. He wants me to put my arms around him so that he can feel safe. Or what about in my relationship with Nikki, my wife? There might be a time when I just need a hug. You know, it's been a tough day. The building project has gone a bit sideways. You know, I'm feeling a bit stressed. I'm sure that other people involved have also gone home and thought, I'd just like a hug from my wife today. Because is it wrong for me to want a hug? No. But I want a hug from my wife. I don't want to just go down the street and find anyone to hug, okay? So when we're talking about experiencing God, the thing is, when it comes to relationship, it's actually almost impossible to separate the experience of relationship from relationship itself. Because I experience my relationship with my wife, with my children, with you, with my friends, with my family all the time. And so when we're looking at this, we're looking at how can I experientially have relationship with God that's authentic. And I'm so thankful to the Lord for the profound ways that I have been able to encounter him, have experiences with him over the course of my relationship with God. Some of those encounters have been so profound that they've led our family to cross continents to follow him. The time that I, I, I heard, audibly heard the voice of the Lord speaking to me. The only time that it's ever happened. And yet it initiated this move from, from Cape Town to London. Other times where I felt God tangibly, physically, so powerfully that I felt I haven't been able to stand in his presence. Other times where I've powerfully sensed his presence to bring peace in the midst of incredibly challenging times or joy in a season where I haven't had it and I've had prayer times with the Lord and I've been all on my own and I've just laughed with him the entire time or cried with him. Times in worship and in prayer where it's become so profoundly visionary that it, it, it genuinely feels like I've been caught up with the Lord and I'm with him. And then also those precious daily moments where I just sense him with me in the car, at work, in, in the church, on the bus, as I'm meeting with family, as I'm on the golf course, as, as I'm out and doing whatever it is. Those moments reading the scriptures or praying and we just sense the presence of God with us. And so this is something that I really love to teach on because it's something that's been so real for me in my relationship with God. Something that other people have helped me so much in to have expectation and faith and understanding for what is possible. What we can legitimately expect from our relationship with God and how to position ourselves to know God in richer ways. 
And so this morning, I want to share a bit of that. And, and generally, what does it mean to encounter God? And why is it so vital for our faith that we are trusting God and seeking God to know him and to know his presence? Next week, I'm going to look in more detail, a bit practically, how can I encounter God in reading the Bible? How many of you have had times where reading the Bible has felt like the least spiritual experience you could possibly do. You know, it almost feels like it's driving you away from your relationship with God, you know. And yet, this can be something that is profoundly able to help us to encounter God. Or teaching. Some of you might think, you know, coming into environments like this, that they maybe feel like they're driving you away from your relationship with the Lord, even though we try to do our best to, to do the opposite. But how do we encounter God in the midst of corporate engagements like this, in worship and in teaching. And the week after, Ryan is going gonna, is gonna to look at the whole topic of worship and, and how do we meet with God in worship and what is worship about it and what is it like to, to worship God knowing his presence. And so I want to pray right now for us again, just afresh, that, that our hearts would be open to him, that it would be like Jesus comes along and you hear me speaking but you know God is with you in the seat right next to you. More than that, his spirit is within you. So you have a, a, a two-way conversation going on right now. You're listening to me and you're listening to him. And we have that conversation with his word together this morning. Amen? That's, that's what I'm trusting for. And so, Father, I pray. I pray for every one of us. Lord, you know the space that we're in right now. You know what it's like. You know what it was like for us to get up this morning and bring ourselves to church. Some of us felt like we floated here. And other of us maybe felt like we crawled here or dragged ourselves here. And we just managed to get through the door. And so, Lord, I pray wherever we're at, that Jesus, you would meet with us in your word that we would know you and be changed by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the first thing uh, that I want to say about this time is that we have been designed to have experiential relationship with God. Okay. God's purpose was not to create people who could just know about his goodness and worship him from a distance. God wants us to know about him, but God's purpose was to create people who could connect with and experience his glory and his goodness and praise him and worship him for the fullness of who he is out of the fullness of who he's created us to be. And the Bible is so clear in its teaching as well as in the examples that we have of seeing people encounter God, connect with God over the thousands of years that it was written. Think of Adam and Eve and Enoch who walked with God and was not. It would appear was, was taken up to be with him. Jacob, who wrestled with God. Moses, who speaks directly to God. And it says that, that God spoke with Moses as with a friend. Isn't that incredible? There's an amazing scripture, if you're taking notes, Exodus chapter 24, verse 9, where Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Ibahu and the 70 elders of Israel went up. And verse 10, it says, and saw the God of Israel. 
under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of Israel. They saw God and they ate and they drank. That's an amazing little insight. I think a lot of people think that no one has seen God. And yet we see that here, Moses and the elders and the 70 elders, they all see God. At least God reveals himself to them and they eat and they drink. And it made me think of that, that invitation in Revelation where it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, I will come in and do what? Eat with them. There's something about God wants to have fellowship and connection with us as his people. And they had it in a very profound way. Samuel, who hears God audibly. No one knows what's going on. He's running in to Eli. Eli, what did you say? And he's like, why are you waking me up? It wasn't me. And he goes back and he comes back and he just doesn't understand what's going on. And yet God himself is speaking. Paul, think in the New Testament, we skip out all of the prophets, but Paul in the New Testament, these multiple visions and dreams, encounters with God, where he says, it's like I've been caught up into the third heaven. I've seen things, Paul says, that that I can't actually communicate. They are so glorious. John, who sees Jesus and, and writes the book of Revelation, the Bible is filled with people encountering and experiencing the glory of God. Does that do something to you? Does it inspire a hunger in you? Maybe a fear as well. That that if I were to trust God for that, and it didn't happen, what would that be like? Do any of you relate to that fear? Or I've tried, and I don't know how. And it's as if... There's, there's those times, it's talking to Ryan about this, where it's like you're longing for something and you want it so much. You, you want to have that Xbox so badly or that, that garden or that allotment or that holiday or whatever it is for you. And you can just, you can, you can smell the sea and you can feel the sand on your toes and the ice cold drink that's just next to your deck chair. But you, but you're afraid to imagine you'd actually be able to go in case it all falls through. And, and, and that longing, there's a risk in bringing our hearts into a place of expectation with God. And yet God says, that's where I want you to be because I'm faithful. I want to teach you to connect with me. Um, John uh, Piper puts it like this uh, when he reminds us that we are instructed, encouraged, exhorted to constantly be seeking the presence of God. He says this in one of his articles, seeking the Lord means seeking his presence. Presence is a common translation of the Hebrew word for face. Literally, we are to seek God's face. But this is a Hebraic way of saying we have access to God. To be before his face is to be in his presence. And he quotes here Psalm 104 verse 5. And depending on your translation, it might read slightly differently. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence or seek his face continually. Isn't that amazing? That we are instructed 
to seek to be before the face of God. I'm not sure what it's like for you, but if you're right before someone's face, it's quite an intimate moment, isn't it? You can normally tell what they've eaten for breakfast. <laughs> you know, you can see all the wrinkles. We don't get right face to face with people unless we tend to know them quite well. And yet that's the place that God calls us to come to and seek continually. And actually all of the Christian life is meant to be lived from the presence of God. We do teaching, we do prayer, we do worship, we do service, we do sacrifice, we do giving, we do mission in the presence of God and out of the presence of God. And that's actually what makes it all come alive. It's one of the reasons it's so important for us to be doing this because the Christian life does not make sense outside of an experiential understanding of God's presence. And Psalm 73, if you take notes, is a good example. There are many others, but this is a good example. And, and in Psalm 73, the psalmist is wrestling with some big stuff. Any of you wrestled with big stuff in your relationship with God? So have a look at what he's wrestling with. He says this, verse 2, But as for me, my feet had almost slipped in my relationship with God. I had nearly lost my foothold. And this is why. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And this is what he's looking at. He's looking at these people that don't love God, that don't have a connection with God. And yet everything seems to be going okay in their lives and everything seems to be tough in his. Any of you wrestled with that? Why is it that I love God and I'm seeking God and my friend loves God and they're seeking God and everything's tough for us and everything's great for them and they don't even know God or want to serve him? This isn't a new struggle, <laughs> okay? They have no struggles, the psalmist says. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. We, we tend to look at the people who are really doing the best when, when this is happening. He goes on, though, to say, verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary, or the sanctuaries, we'll come back to that in a moment, of God, then I understood their final destiny. It goes on verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was a senseless and, and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. He goes on. But this is what he discovers in the sanctuary. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, God? And the earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is revelation that you only get by getting face to face with God. And so we see the psalmist wrestling with injustice, suffering, confusion, theology. And yet he enters the sanctuary. It's literally, it's plural in the Hebrew. The sanctuaries of God. It's a reference to the temple, to the temple court and inwardly the holy place. And then even beyond that, the holy of holies. This journey into the presence of God. And as he does... His heart 
comes to peace. And I've definitely found in my toughest times, in my greatest seasons of loss and difficulty and theological wrestling and pain and confusion and ministry, it's as I found the presence of God and the face of my Savior that my heart comes to peace as I know him. Because again, we were created to know him and to experience him. I love some of these uh, verses that God calls us to know he's loving and to experience his love. We had this read for us last week, Romans 5, 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And if you experience that, where it's just like, I've had those times where it feels like your heart is going to burst. I remember saying to God once when I, I was having this moment of experiencing this and just saying, God, I can't take it anymore. I can't, I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to pop. <laughs> I, as, as the love of God was, and I think I, it was at a time I desperately, desperately needed that. To know God is good and experience his goodness. Now, this doesn't mean everything's always good in our life. In the sense that everything's always easy. We don't have trials. We don't have tribulation. We don't have loss. What does Jesus say? In this life, you will have trouble or hardship, trial, challenge. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Okay? But in this world of trouble... We can know this, Psalm 27, verse 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I won't just believe it. I won't just know he's good. I will know the goodness of God even in the midst of my suffering because God is good and I can know him. Or what about a knowledge of God's peace? We don't just want to know that God's God has peace or that his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. God wants us to experience his peace so that when I'm hurting and I've grazed my spiritual knee and I, I need a hug from my heavenly father and he wraps his arms around me, I don't just know that he is peace. I get his peace and it's released to me. Philippians 4 verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't it amazing that the experience of God's peace guards the way we think about God? The experience of God's peace guards the way that we feel about God and about others. It's very difficult to think rightly about God and about others without knowing God and actually connecting with him. We have been created to connect, born again. You know this discussion, it's a very famous discussion that Nicodemus has with Jesus. And, and he's asking some quite profound and understandable questions. And Jesus answers, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. What is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is not a place that you can go to. You can't hop on, um, on um, what's his name, the guy that wants to get to Mars? 
He wants to build a rocket to get there. Elon, Elon Musk. You can't hop in one of his rockets and fly in space far enough to reach the kingdom of God. It's not a physical place. It is the realm of the rule of God that we experience so that we don't just know about God's peace, we experience it. So what does uh, uh, Paul say? That the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not a kingdom of words, but it's a kingdom of power. So he says, very truly, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and the spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone that is born of the spirit. So when we are born again, when you become a new creation, God gives you a new grace to sense, perceive, become alert to the Holy Spirit. And just like when you walk outside, you can hear the wind in the trees and you can feel it on your skin. You now have the grace ability to sense and know the presence of God. And it's very likely um, that as Jesus is saying this. He's, he's alluding to Genesis chapter 3, also verse 8, I think, which is just after the fall, but before the judgment. And do you remember what it says? That Adam and Eve heard the sound, that word for sound is literally voice, heard the sound of the Lord in the cool of the day. And the word cool there is the, is the Hebrew word ruach. And it's the only place, as far as I can tell, other than one which also has a spiritual significance, where the word ruach is not translated as spirit or breath or life. And so it's this idea that Adam and Eve, they, they heard the sound, the voice of the Lord in the wind, in the cool, in the ruach of the day. And it's like Jesus is saying, you have now been born again. You now get to hear the sound of the spirit. Be alert to God's presence. He's reunited us with his presence. One last scripture that I want to look at, and then we're going to have some time for worship and for prayer and for ministry. How many people want prayer for, for an, a grace to encounter God and just to experience him and perhaps a season of knowing him more richly and deeply and fully? Uh, but before we get there, Luke chapter 10, last scripture. Um, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. I think this is amazing, profound sort of invitation from God to us to understand the type of holistic relationship that God wants us to have 
with him. Isn't it interesting the way God defines balance? It's all your mind and it's all your heart and it's all your emotions and all your spirit and all your body. Why? Because he's trying to say, all of you has been designed to connect with me. You know, I I am a theological nerd. You can chat to Nikki about this. You know, I am up at night reading commentaries um, in bed. I'm in the car with podcasts, listening to strange things about uh, how they've discovered Greek manuscripts and and different sort of uh, differences in the texts. I, I, I have been instructed by my wife that I'm not allowed to speak about Greek tenses after nine o'clock in the evening. I think there was a point where she said, Jason, I love you, but it makes me sick when you talk like that. So, so I am a theological nerd. I get it. But I don't want to just love God with my mind. I want to love him and sense his love with my heart and my soul and my emotions and my body because he's created me to connect with him. You have a heart to love him and receive love. To laugh, to cry, to know peace. You have a soul to love him with your will, to engage your spirit. You have a body to love him and experience him. I, it's been amazing the times that I've, we've prayed for people and they've said, Jason or team, it's been like fire went through my body. Or it's like electricity was all over me. Now understand that the, the manifestation is not the important thing. But you know, when I hug my son, it does help that he feels my arms around him. Does that make sense? The manifestation isn't the focus. The person is the focus, but you can't separate the person from the experience when we're having whole person relationship with God. Now you might say, does this experience, does does it really matter? Is it not enough that I just know that he loves me and I believe it? Well, I believe the answer to that is no, it's not enough because that's not biblical relationship with God. We know psychologically and physiologically, for example, babies, if they are not held and touched as babies, they actually stop growing and can develop long lasting emotional developmental problems and challenges and even die as a result of not being held and touched. And our faith in God is a bit like that. If we're not experiencing God, our relationship with him begins to atrophy. You know what it's like to have your passion for God diminish? How many of you have been in times in your life where you were so passionate for God, you were up early, you were reading the Bible, you were praying, you were fasting, you know, you were at the door of the church before the worship team was here. Maybe you're in and you just want to listen to them practice or, or you've just been out and serving. And then there are other times where you think, oh, it's Sunday. I just love to watch the football. Nothing wrong with watching the football, but you know, you know what I mean, don't you? Where the passion leaks and if we're not encountering the presence of God, the passion can leak. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www 
www.chilternchurch.org.uk